Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it begins. The Michigan State basketball season may be over, but what is sure to be a very interesting offseason has only just begun. One point guard has already joined the program, while another has said goodbye. We will discuss that, plus the latest spring football news, on episode 29 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is the final day of March, Izzo 31st, 2021. I'm Brandon Champion with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. Uh, Kyle, did you stay up and watch UCLA take down that other school last night? You know, I was, I was in and out, but I was awake for the ending and it was, uh, I know no, no listeners are going to feel bad, but it's like, man, you, you'd have thought they'd have made one of those shots at some point. I had not seen that team shoot so poorly at, at the end, but, um, that's how the tournament goes sometimes, I guess. Matt, did you, uh, did you stay up? I think Matt really is frozen. Yeah, <laughs> we were just joking that Kyle was frozen. Oh, are you back? Yeah, sorry, my internet just went out for a second. We were just that joking happened. that Kyle was frozen, and then you're the one who gets frozen. But I, I asked you if you stayed up for the uh, the uh, the game last night. Oh yeah, yeah, I watch it. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't have. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I missed you guys since I since my uh, internet went out, but. Um, yeah, I mean, assume you touched on the fact that you wouldn't have guessed UCLA would be in this position a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I was impressed with the way they they mucked it up and, and made it a Big Ten basketball game, an ugly game. And uh, same time, that was, you know, I've probably watched, you know, a half a dozen or so Michigan games about the full thing this year. And that was probably as bad as I saw them play all year. And um, But, yeah, credit goes to UCLA. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Johns and Austin Davis looked like the best players on the floor for Michigan at times last night, and that's not usually going to be a recipe recipe for success to win. But uh, pretty shocking that Michigan State had this team, UCLA team, pretty much dead in the water, what, down 14 points in the first half uh, in the first four game, and now they're marching on to the final four and get to take on Gonzaga. Uh, it's just one of those classic March runs that you, you tend to see um, this time of year, and credit to Mick Cronin I've always thought he was a very good coach from his time at Cincinnati and uh, he's got these guys to buy in and it's never been an issue of talent at UCLA so it's interesting to see them uh, marching on to the final four Uh, and the Big Ten you know if we want to talk big picture here uh, after this fantastic season record-setting numbers on Ken Palm and all the metrics and out of all the nine teams that made the tournament not a single one is going to be in the final four how do you uh, uh, pretty surprising right Kyle? (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I really thought this is the year. I mean, you get that many bites at the apple, um, somebody's got to somebody's got to break through um, eventually. And like, like this is only going to become a bigger talking point for this week um, as as it goes on. You know, you've got you've got two schools that are outside major conferences in the Final Four. You know, and you and you couldn't make it there. So I, I think. You know, this is going to make this even more of a thing. And, and as we go forward, I think every year you're going to be talking about, yeah, the Big Ten's good, but let's see him win a national title. Um, and uh, it, it'll be uh, – I'm sure that'll be one of their knocks uh, from here on out. Pretty shocking with, with some of the talented teams that have rolled through in the last two decades that uh, Tom Izzo and the Flintstones are the last national title won by the Big Ten back in 2000. Streak's got to end at some point, but uh, the wait goes on for another year. Uh, but let's get to it. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, if you could tell a friend about it, if you enjoy it, uh, give us a review. Um, and check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. I'll be very appreciated. We're going to be answering some questions throughout this episode. So if you want to send us uh, questions via email or Twitter or uh, the text service, uh, that would be great as well. Of course, we're going to be heading into the off season here. So we will need topics to discuss um, as we'll, of course, have spring football, but uh, hopefully some off season news here and there with the basketball team. But let's get into it. Uh, we, we knew coming in uh, that this was going to be a very interesting offseason, uh, unlike what we've seen in a while in East Lansing. So uh, let's get right to the big news. Uh, Jack Hoiberg has committed <laughs> to the University of Texas. I'm like, no, no, it's great for Jack. I hope he does well there. That news just came down a little bit ago in case you missed it. Uh, heading to the Sun Belt Conference. We hope he does well there. But uh, uh, Tyson Walker joins the program over the weekend uh, from Northeastern just a couple days before uh, Rocket Watts announced his decision to transfer uh, from Michigan State. Uh, Kyle, let's start with Rocket uh, because I think that, you know, that's the more uh, interest. maybe not more interesting, but, you know, the news that people have been talking about lately. What was your reaction to the transfer? You know, not surprised. Um, I, I think Michigan State fans kind of got maybe lulled into forgetting that um, how how often players in, in Rocket Watts' situation do transfer across the sport, just as Michigan State went so long without having anybody leave. But, I mean, that's pretty common in college basketball these days. You know, it, you know, season doesn't go the way you want to. You're not developing um, the way you had hoped. And, um and, and you and you look for for greener pastures, and um, so it wasn't surprising to me. Um, you know, he had every opportunity to, to make it work here, and everybody tried to make it work. And sometimes it, it's just not a good fit. You know, I Rocket Watts is a guy that I always kind of wondered how he was going to do in Michigan State system, where you know everything is you know a lot of set plays, you know a lot of working within the system, and and he's just such a free flowing, um, shoot it from anywhere, shoot it when you're hot kind of guy. Um, you know, I, I wonder if he goes somewhere where that's a little bit more um, uh, encouraged or, or, or available to you. And, and if that's maybe a better fit than, than Tom Izzo, who kind of um, who is not as, as much that way. Um, and, and a place where uh, I don't think he'll have the pressure to be a point guard, where he won't have the pressure to follow Cassius Winston, which I think was a big deal. Um, so I, I think that there, there's reasons to think that um, that he can go somewhere and be a good player. But I, it was going to be hard to make this work. Um, I think between kind of his style and Tommy Joe's style, I think they got past that, but then you try to make him a point guard too. You try to do it when there's not much of an off season and he can't be in the gym. Uh, he doesn't have preseason games. Um, and I think that just kind of made it a little too hard for everybody. So 
fresh start. I think Michigan State's got other guys at both positions that, um, that this isn't – I mean, it, it, he had good moments for them. I'm not saying it's not a loss for them, but I think they've got other guys that can, that can fill in what he would have done next year. Yeah, man, it, it was uh... – it was a tough day Monday. I mean, Rocky Watts is a guy. I mean, first of all, what a name, a plus name. <laughs> uh, and, and ever since he committed to Michigan state, I mean, he was a top 40 kid um, out of Ohio, you know, uh, top 40 recruit just seemed like a guy who was going to thrive at Michigan state. And, and I totally agree with you that maybe Tom Izzo's system was almost a little bit too structured for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy who just goes and gets buckets, creates offense out of nowhere. Um, I, I mean, I, I heard Florida State and Louisville are maybe the, the programs looking at him hardest that he might go to. Those are programs that kind of let their guys go a little bit more. And, and we saw yeah. even with Florida State, that can work against them. We saw in the Michigan game, you know, if, if that lack of discipline at times can can work against them. But, but that's besides the point. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to miss Rocket. I, I agree that they'll be fine without him. But if he plays up to his potential, it's definitely going to be a loss. And what I found, I really found Tom Izzo's statement that he put out pretty interesting. Um, You know, he kind of laid out how, you know, they made the decision to move him to point guard and he didn't have a spring. He didn't have a fall. He didn't have a normal offseason to try and pick up what is amounts to a very complex offense, you know, with a lot of Mm -hmm. sets, a lot of systems. Rocket, we've talked about it all year, kind of felt like pitting, you know, putting a a square peg in a round hole, trying to make this kid a point guard. So they try and do that. They try and spend this whole off season, moving him to point guard, replacing Cassius Winston, putting all this pressure on him. And then it doesn't work. So you try and abandon it. But then when you abandon it, you realize AJ Hogard isn't ready for big minutes. Foster lawyer gets hurt. And then you try and get him back to playing point guard. So you're, you're kind of messing with his head back and forth. And um, you know, yes, part of it's on rocket for not being able to pick things up, but, you got to blame the staff for a lot of this. They did not do a, and part of it wasn't their fault because of COVID, but I don't think they did a great job putting him in a a position to succeed uh, at all. They put too much pressure on not having a point guard that you can bring in other than foster lawyer. I mean, I I just, it don't, to a certain extent, what I'm sad about most is that rocket Watts seems like a great kid. He's a very talented player, especially, you know, he definitely has flashed that through his two years, but I'm just sad that they couldn't make it work at Michigan State. And I'm sure Tom Izzo feels this to a certain extent too, where they almost feel like they sort of let the kid down. Yeah, I, I, I sense that too. And you're right. I mean, it, it was going to be hard for um, – it, it was going to be hard to make it work. I mean, the, and this is total hindsight 2020 now. But, I mean, the only thing I think you could have done in hindsight is from day one been like, all right, we lost a lot of time in the offseason. The only way we're going to make that up is to put you out there 30 minutes a game at point guard through the non-conference and maybe you take your lumps. Maybe it's rough going at times, but you just need reps. Um, and, and to me, if there is a criticism for them in that, um, and I do, I do think a lot of it was because of outside circumstances, but I, I, I question if it were, they really fully committed to it um, to rock at the point guard. I mean, they definitely moved him there. They definitely played him there a lot, but I think given the circumstances, I think you had to say, all right, we got to make up for lost time we're diving head first into 30 feet deep water and let's just go. And I, I think they were a little too reserved. And I think that, um, you know, obviously he looked okay through non-conference and you thought he was okay, but I think we found, I think we saw what he was missing when we got the big 10 play and then, yeah, trying to go back and forth and really just not picking a lane. Um, it, it hurt everybody in the end. Another, you know, the, the bottom part of that statement, you know, it says, uh, um, 
that they made a mutual deci- uh, decision. So this wasn't just Rocket saying, oh, I want to leave. I'm sick of this place. To me, that says, like, the staff was like, we did everything we could with you and this didn't work. And now, you know, maybe it's best. We decided that it's best if you go elsewhere. I mean, to me, that was interesting. It was, I don't ever want to say that the staff is giving up on a guy, but those, those must have been some real interesting conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's everyone's best interest to say it's mutual. Um, right, it's just um, a PR I, line. It could be, too. Yeah, m- m- maybe. I mean, I don't sense there's any animosity. I'll, I'll right. say that. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, this is pretty, like six months after I got on the beat, Kenny Kaminsky announced he was transferring. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Tom Izzo came back the next day with a fire and brimstone statement and said, no, I kicked him off the team. He's <laughs> not just transferring. So <laughs> if, if Tom Izzo uh, doesn't like the way that you're announcing your departure, he will, he will put his two cents into there. Um, point mm-hmm. being, but uh, that's not the case with rocket. I mean, I'm sure they would have liked him back. You don't, you don't want to look like, um, um, you're not supporting a guy who, who does decide to leave, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think I heard Izzo on the radio saying the other day. I mean, I do feel like they feel like they let him down a little bit um, as far as not um, um, not getting him to where he needed to be. But he was in a tough spot because he's not a natural point guard. I never sensed that he loved playing point guard. But A, Michigan State needed that from him. But also, B, that's his only chance of going to the league. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody wants to do here, right? Is go right. To the he's he's too small to play off ball. Yeah, there's no 6'2 shooting guards in the league. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean – to me, Rocket needed to kind of take a real hard look and say, okay, I, you know, I prefer shooting guard. I really love to be this off ball killer, but I, I can't do that past this level. Um, and, and I did sense some trepidation from Rocket along the way. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, and I'm not trying to lay fault anywhere, but I'm saying I don't think there was total buy-in in the point guard thing from either side, um, Rockets or the, or the staff. And I think that was the only way to make this work is for both guys to agree. All right. Point guard is what Michigan State needs. It's what Rocket Watts needs. We're going 100,000% into this. And I think they were a little short from both sides on that. And I think that um, I think that's where they came up short. I guess you sort of just answered this, but we did get a question. Why would Rocket leave now that his point guard days are over and he can get back to his natural position that he was recruited to play? Um, I mean, for one – there's, there's, they're going to they're have a lot of shooting guards um, coming in next year. I mean, um, Max Christie, I think, is going to start and command a lot of minutes um, off the ball on the perimeter. You got Gabe Brown there, too. Um, so it's not like he can just slide over to a, a starting job and get 30 minutes there. Um, and, but also, you know, I kind of go back to what I said and you said originally. You know, I, I think he's a free-flowing guy that maybe would – uh, realize in those couple of years that he he might be better suited in a place um, that, that's a little less structured than Michigan State. Um, so I think that that's probably part of it too, um, whether that's as a point guard or a shooting guard or whatever. So I um, I think it's a combination. I just I don't think it's quite that simple. You know, we we're talking this time last year about oh he'll just slide over to point guard, no problem. Um, <laughs> that's not simple. I, I think it's the same deal going the other way. Um, mm-hmm. They got a lot of guys at shooting guard. Um, I, I think he could probably foresee a little bit better situation for him elsewhere. Matt, did you have any thoughts on the transfer? No, I mean, I, I just wasn't surprised by, it. <clears throat> you know, repeat all the stuff Kyle said, you know, it just didn't seem like it worked and it seemed a little bit forced and also didn't have the time to pull it off. And, you know, maybe in their best interest of both, uh, both sides that, uh, that there's a, you know, going a different direction. Well, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, it's, it's the first uh, scholarship transfer from Michigan state 
uh, these ones with Hoiberg and him since uh, after the 2016 season when Javon Best and Marvin Clark uh, went to St. John's and St. Louis. So uh, remarkable consistency the program has had. Maybe Mel Tucker is having some conversation <laughs> with Tom Izzo about how to best handle the transfer portal. He, he's got a lot more experience there in, uh, in only one season. So, um, yeah. They I mean, say they talk a lot, so I'm sure that topic has come up. Oh, you, yeah, you say that with a smile on your face, but, I mean, I think that's totally legit at this point. You know, I, I think Mel has had an influence in, in getting Tom Izzo to sort of change the way at least he views the portal and that this is like – this is college, college sports in 2021. I almost, brought, I almost asked Mel that the other day, but the second keep my questions football-related. Well, maybe just do it like in a non-formal uh, situation, you know. Maybe just like offhand. Well, like when me and me and Mel are hanging out. And yeah, when, when you go to crunchies. Yeah, no, just that, when you, that yeah. doesn't that, that doesn't happen. So. Oh, oh, it would be limited to Zoom. I've seen I haven't seen Mel Tucker in person in the same room since February twenty fourth of twenty twenty. Just shoot him a uh, DM. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't think so. Well, uh, as as one player departs, uh, another comes in. Uh, Michigan State did pick up a point guard transfer over the weekend as well. Uh, Tyson Walker join, or, uh, commits to Michigan State uh, as a transfer from Northeastern. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, you know, big-time player, one of the, one of the top uh, prizes out there in the transfer market. You know, six-foot sophomore, averaged almost 19 points and five assists a game. He was also named the 2020 uh, Colonial Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he picked Michigan State over Kansas, Miami, Maryland, Texas, Vanderbilt, uh, and some others. Uh, this was a big pickup for Michigan State. He seems like an Izzo guy. Yeah, um, uh, a good pickup. You don't know how often – how many of these level of guys, I mean, there's a thousand guys I think already in the transfer portal, but um, you don't know how often a guy of this caliber is going to come on the market. So I think for Michigan state to find their guys super early um, in this cycle, lock up their point guard transfer and not be kind of fighting for scraps at the end or competing with some other high level programs. I, I think they put themselves in good position by landing this and, um, you know, by all indications, a good player. I had a chance to, um, to talk to uh, Pat Scary. He's the coach at Towson. He, he was nice enough to get on the phone with me. He, he coached four games against um, Tyson Walker and also recruited him out of high school. So pretty familiar. And he, um, he thinks he's going to be really good at this level. Um, you know, uh, um, kind of the knocks on him coming out of high school were his size and his shooting. Um, and he's gotten to be a better shooter. I wouldn't say he's a standout shooter. He's, you know, 35% from threes. Uh, you know, I think he's at 44% from the field. So good, so good enough. I mean, and he's streaky. He had a couple games last year where he hit seven three-pointers. So he, he can get hot. Uh, including, against gonna, yeah, <laughs> including against Towson. Including against Towson. He said they were zoning him a little bit, you know, <laughs> and they thought that they could get away. And, that, and that's kind of where he deceived them. You know, they didn't think he was a great shooter. So they zoned him a little bit and gave him a little space. And he knocked seven in on him. And he said, next game, we had to press up on him. Um, so that – um, so that'll show you, but you know, good vision. I mean, really a true point guard, a guy who's going to see, they ran a lot of ball screen, um, with him, a lot of pick and rolls. So, uh, maybe you get back to a little bit, if they can have a big, find a big, that could be the combo. Or you get back to a little, what you were running more with Cassius Winston, maybe, um, to, uh, good assist numbers. I think he's going to see the, see the floor, make others better, um, and, and be able to step out and shoot it himself when he needs to. Um, and then good defensively too. I mean, I, he, he had big steal numbers and I think he was good because he, he anticipated well, um, which is not, 
not typically what Michigan State does, you know, as far as steals. But I, I think he's also smart positioning. I think he can work through um, – he'll be able to work through ball screens and, and some of the things Michigan State needs him to do too. So um, that's all good. I think the size is going to be a concern. You know, six foot 170 is pretty small um, in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, Pat Steyer is telling me he feels like he's gotten stronger. He's improved his body. Um, and he knows kind of how to handle himself. So, I mean, he could be a successful smaller defender, but um, that'll probably be the challenge stepping up. And, you know, it, it, as you know, Brandon, both of you guys know, it's a mixed bag as far as moving up a level. Uh, some guys are really good at that lower level, move up and, and don't quite get it done. I think about Jaron Simmons over at Michigan a couple of years ago. He didn't really pan out the way they hoped, but, but some other guys do. So it, it's – um, it's far from a sure thing, uh, but I think um, I think this was the right way for Michigan State to go, and I think there's a lot of indications that it'll be successful here. Yeah, I mean, you even look at Michigan State's history. I mean, a guy like Bryn Forbes came from Cleveland State and and became a, a knockdown shooter right. in the Big Ten and a quality player, and now he's in the NBA. So, I mean, like these things can happen. Uh, and then, you know, like for people who don't follow college basketball, I mean, like they probably hadn't watched a lot of Northeastern basketball um, and any of the, they might be skeptical, like, oh, OK, we got a guy from Northeastern. But I mean, this is a guy who scored 27 points against North Carolina in mid-February. Right. Uh, I mean, this, he, he's by all accounts a guy who should be able to play at the Big Ten level. I don't expect him to average 18, 19 points a game, but I don't think Michigan State needs him to do that. I mean, they have other guys that can put the ball in the basket if they have a guy that could just get guys in the right position, which is, was so painfully obvious they were missing right. this year. They, they need Mike Smith. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, we've I, said I, it so I've, many I've times. I've said that yeah. all year. You know, yeah. I don't mean to be, beat a dead horse, but I mean, I think Michigan's a team most people are familiar with by this point. And yeah, a guy who's not going to make mistakes, who's going to um, distribute the ball well, and, you know, is a good enough shooter to keep you honest. Um, I mean, that's really all they need because, you know, they've got a lot of weapons coming back. Um, uh, Max Christie, we've talked about, is going to be on the floor with them. Um, you're going to have other guys. So, yeah, even if he – I think he could be more than that, honestly. But even if he's just that, um, I, I think they'll be fine. And I, I think this is, this is the right move for them. I know they've got some other point guards coming in, but this is really what they should have done last year, uh, you know, bringing in a more veteran guy. You've got more bodies, but you still don't have very much experience there outside of Foster Lawyer, but uh, obviously Foster is what he is at this point. So um, it, it'll be interesting because – I, I'm not aware of any other point guard who's come in and played significant minutes as a transfer for Tom Izzo. Um, so it's kind of new territory. I mean, he's going to have a lot to learn um, as far as the system. We just talked about with, with Rocket how much of a struggle it was. He had been in the program learning under Cassius Winston for a year um, and couldn't really make it work with one offseason. So um, hopefully it'll be more of a normal offseason, but it's still going to be a, a pretty big transition for, for Tyson Walker to come in. So um, I don't think it's – quite as simple as just kind of a plug and play um, like it might be at some other places. I mean, playing point guard at Michigan state is hard, mm -hmm. um, but obviously the staff is bringing him in. They're trying this. I, I'm sure they have every reason to think that, um, that they can make it work. Yeah, Cassius Winston didn't make it look very hard, but, uh, but, but even his freshman year, just, I mean, it, it was hard his freshman year. Um, True. He won the ball over a lot. Um, you know, not, not to jump in on you there, but, um, I, the point is even a guy like him, like, it can be hard for a little while. Um, yeah. And, and speaking of transfers, we saw, I mean, that year, I think that was Aaron Harris's senior year and he got hurt and that put a bunch of 
weight on way too much pressure on that freshman class uh, that year. And we saw what happened that year, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch how Tyson Walker does. Presumably he'll have a regular off season or at least a mostly regular off season. I think they really need that. Yeah. Yeah, To, to help him, to help him get his feet wet in the system. One other note, I mean, uh, not to bring up bad memories for Michigan State basketball fans, but Northeastern beat Michigan State in 2016. (laughs) And I believe the year before that, they played at Northeastern as part of like a hockey basketball doubleheader. Yes. I'm wondering, and I don't know if you've talked to Izzo or asked him about this, but I wonder if his relationship with Bill Cohen, if, if that had anything to do with getting Tyson Walker to come to Michigan State. Uh, I'd be surprised. Um, I think that was kind of a Holly special um, that um, that doubleheader. I actually didn't get the sense that Tom was a huge fan of it as compared to some of the other um, the other weird scheduling things they've done. Although that was a cool building. Yeah, Uh, they've got one of the oldest buildings there. I thought I thought it was kind of cool. But um, I just remember Michigan State was playing on NBC Sports Network because of the colonial (laughs) deal with uh, with with the conference. I'm just like, what the heck is this? I don't. I just wondered maybe if he called him or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have a relationship. Bill Cohen's, a, you know, a veteran guy. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it's hard. I mean, I know time is feels bad for guys like Bill Cohen because, I mean, he's going to complain about the transfer portal, and that's right. But, he, I mean, it's not really hurting him at all. Um, he, he can go – he can always go pick up a guy like Tyson Walker. Um, I, I, I feel bad, and I think he feels bad for mid-majors like that who find a guy – you know, develop him well, you know, have him kind of right at the point where he's ready to be a dominant player at that level. And now they're all leaving and they're all, cause they're all moving up and mm-hmm. that I'm not blaming the players for that. That's their prerogative. That's fine. I'd want to do that too. But I think it's really tough for coaches because you do what you're supposed to do and you, you don't get to really kind of reap the benefits from that. Yeah. I, it's going to be uh, very surprising to see, you know, coaches who are at these low majors uh, really sticking it out because they, they're just not on the fair advantage anymore. I mean, they right. can't keep their good players around. They're just going to transfer out. You know, you give a guy a shot, you know, you, you do right by them, turn them into a player and, and then they just leave. I mean, it is what it is, but I too, I feel really bad for a lot of these smaller schools. Uh, and I think you're going to see, you know, top mid-major coaches bolting for bigger jobs. Uh, you know, Porter Mosier is a guy who's been in the news lately is possibly a guy who might do that. Um, you know, there's other examples all over the place. So that'll be an interesting evolution to track throughout college basketball. Um, but, you know, we don't know if we're done yet. We could have more transfers. Uh, it seems like Rocket was probably the most likely one. I mean, we can speculate on other guys. We don't have any inside info. We don't know what's going to happen. But I do wonder about the front court, I will say, just because yeah. that's a group that obviously – pretty crowded last year nobody really kind of stepped up and and you're bringing everybody back from there you know mm-hmm. so to, I'm, you know i don't again i don't know any specific names but does, do all those guys decide yeah i want to go through that again you know right. uh, i'm sure they all think that they can um that they can be the guy that steps up and, and plays big minutes and, and any of them could um they're not wrong but um i feel like those tip, types of situations generally lead to to one or two guys saying, okay, I think I'd be better off in a different situation. So we'll see. Um, I mean, we are, what, a couple weeks past the end of the season. Uh, a lot of guys are starting to make their moves. Um, so uh, we'll see if it happens. It wouldn't surprise me either way. But that, that is kind of the one other. I'd be surprised if we had another backcourt one. Um, but if somebody wants to get out of that log jam in the front court at this point, that would not surprise me. And as of right now, there's still one over the scholarship limit pending Aaron Henry's. Yeah, uh, and Aaron Henry. Um, yeah, I, he's been quiet. But, I mean, a guy that came that close, I think we talked about, a guy who came that close to the NBA last year and comes back and has a good year, um, I, I would be surprised if he came back at this point. 
I would too. I, I see some national guys speculating, you know, uh, you know, maybe he might come back. I'm like, I put it at less than 5% that he comes yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, he, he came, I think he came closer to leaving last year than most people realized. I think last offseason people were just kind of waiting for him to come back. But when we talked to him, it's like, yeah, he had a lot of interviews. He had a lot of teams saying good things. Um, and, you know, you get to a point as a player where it's like, it's harder to improve more, you know, like, like teams want him to shoot better. Um, which is understandable, but it's like at a certain point, you're almost better off just going pro and, and figuring out at the next level too, instead of just sticking around forever until you're, you know, you're kind of ready. I mean, he's shown enough. He's shown enough positives that I think he can, he can go ahead and go. For sure. Yeah. And we'll continue to track that. Obviously if, when he makes his announcement, either way, we will uh, talk about it here on the pod, but uh, that's going to do it for the basketball news for now. Let's, let's transition to football spring practice well underway. Uh, Spartan vision has been busy sharing the hype videos, giving us sort of an inside look uh, at things. Matt's rolling his eyes. He probably wishes he could be there in person, but at least we're getting something buddy. You know? No, I'll take it. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> the whole, it's a year into no access and, you're plus into no access in person. So um, unmuting and, and turning your video on and off on Zoom calls, it gets a little old these days. So. I, I, I can understand that frustration. Um, but you did get to talk to Nell Tucker the other day, and you talked to a couple players, including a couple transfers, um, and Ron Burton, the D-line coach. Uh, and we got a couple questions here. We'll get to those in a sec. But uh, what, what are your biggest takeaways uh, or updates, I guess, from spring practice? Well, I mean, there's not much of a of a update other than they are had their fourth spring practice on Tuesday, and their first scrimmage will be Saturday. So um, Mel Tucker's not going to tell you that he's not going to run over the depth chart and, and <laughs> over the call of a, by position. But um, you know, he did say that he thought that they're, I think he used the phrase, light years ahead of, of where they were at this point last year, um, just because of the obvious. I mean, at this point last year, they were all scattered across the country trying to install new schemes on Zoom. Jacob Panasuk said he was doing walkthroughs in his basement. So, yeah, I'd say being in pads and out in the field is a slight improvement from, from 12 months ago. But, uh, you know, first sp- scrimmage on Saturday, that, that Mel pretty much said that's where you'll, you'll start to see some, some separation. And so um, whether or not he's going to tell us who, where the separation is and who, and who is uh, separating from the others, who's uh, at the top, uh, we'll see. But um, that'll be the first of two or three scrimmages of the spring um, in the spring game again the 24th of April and still no word on whether that'll be you know a public thing um, but yeah so they're moving forward I mean they're already a quarter of the way uh, more than a quarter of the way through the spring so a uh, good chance for them to make up for uh, lost time last year well, you did get to talk to Drew Jordan, the DN from Duke and you talked to Kenneth Walker the third the running back from Wake Forest. Uh, do you think they're just making those guys available just because they're new players? Because to me, that says they're going to be impactful players on the roster next year. Or in the yeah, season. I mean, I, I think it goes without question. Those are two guys that, I mean, I would be stunned if, if <laughs> those two guys aren't, don't have prominent roles on, on the team in the fall. You know, for Jordan, you know, this is a guy who played 48 games with 21 starts, had more than 100 tackles at Duke. You know, he's listed 285-pound defensive end. You know, that gives them a bigger guy, a more physical guy is what he said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, smart guy, you know, instantly should be, you know, I know they return both starting ends with, with Panasuk and Beasley, but, I mean, he should instantly be in that rotation, um, at the top of the rotation. Um, and it was interesting because he, he grew up playing with, with Connor Hayward and playing uh, youth football with them. And he said once he went in the portal, 
Award got a hold of him and was like, hey, why don't you give us a look over here? So kind of interesting how those things work out, you know, especially with, with Connor being a guy who was in the portal one time looking to leave and came back. So um, and then with Kenneth Walker, I think that's the obvious, you know, beside, besides, you know, Anthony Russo, which the quarterback will always get the most attention, you know, with, with, with Michigan State's running game just being atrocious uh, the last three years. Uh, even Mel Tucker called it putrid uh, <laughs> I on Tuesday. That. I love um, his honesty, man. It shows, he, it, shows he, it shows he reads, uh, <laughs> at least sees some things, because I will say there was a news outlet, not ours, that used uh, the word putrid in a headline when talking about their offense. And that's a rather <laughs> random word to throw out there out of the blue. At all. No, it's not a coincidence. So, but either way, I mean, yeah, it's honest. Their running game sucked. There's no other way to put it. It was terrible. So with Kenneth Walker, you got a guy who rushed for more than – 1,100 yards the last two seasons combined at Wake Forest, 17 touchdowns. He had 13 touchdowns last year, which happens to be 13 more than Michigan State's running backs. And he said that, you know, he didn't think he was, he was really the right fit for Wake Forest's offense. Saw more of a fit for him at Michigan State. And the coaching staff sold him on, on the role they see. They thought he, he's – well, he thinks he's an explosive guy, and that's his biggest skill – um, or trait, talent, whatever. His vision. I mean, watching the tape, I'd say he's right. Yeah, I mean, I think you know from the you know I've you know I've watched you know some of the cut ups and stuff. I've sat down and watched a whole season of Wake Forest football, and I can't remember. I watched him in New York when we were there for the Pinstripe Bowl, but I can't remember what I saw from him. But uh, no, he's got good vision, and you know you look at some of the big the big playability, and you know he said Michigan State coaches have sat down and put on film and said you know specific plays and said look right here. This is, a, you know, basically here's a missed opportunity. We think you could be the difference. So I would not be surprised one bit if, uh, if he's a starting running back in the fall or if he ends up getting the bulk of their carries. Did we know that Jacob Panasuk got COVID last year? Because he mentioned that. Uh, no, no. I mean, that was something he just dropped uh, when we talked to him yesterday. Um, just said, you know, I asked him about coming back for his sixth year, and he was talking about how I think he's basically at first referencing because he initially planned on opting out before opting back in, and then he just said, "Oh yeah, you know, I came back, I, you know, for for camp and um, was in great, you know, about the best shape I've been in a while." And then I got COVID, and then I lost twenty five pounds, and you know, he played, he started uh, all six games he played in, he played for six before missing uh, against Penn State, but said he just thought he, you know, he he tried to add weight, but he was too light had some injuries and just didn't think it worked for him. Didn't have uh, the season that he anticipated to have and thought it was best to come back and, and give it another run. So, um, yeah, I, I think you look at his numbers last year, it was, you know, surprising that he wasn't able to make a little bit more of an impact, but, uh, you know, you get him Beasley, Jordan, Michael Fletcher, some of the other guys, you know, I think they're, they're pretty, they're, there's definitely some options there defensive end and, and at the interior, if you just want to, just transition to uh, talking to Ron Burton. He thinks the defensive line, you know, he said that, you know, it's kind of coach talk, but expecting to be as good as anybody in the big 10 or the nation. And, you know, they've got pieces, you know, they only lost one defensive lineman for all the portal departures and all the stuff. Naquan Jones is the only guy that they're losing. Granted, you know, it's a starter. Well, we did get questions about uh, position group here. Which position group or even which side of the ball do you expect to take the biggest leap this year based on having a full spring football experience? <laughs> well, uh, that's tough. I would say both. <laughs> when you have a, a defense that gives up a program record number of points and an offense that averages 18, you can really flip a coin and, and say that uh, – 
Either well, should well, I think we know what what needs to improve. The and that's the offensive needs, line. Yeah, yeah. the that's offensive I would line. Say. That's that's what I would go with. I mean, you bring back all seven guys who started at least one game last year. You've got some like super seniors like AJR Curry, Luke Campbell if he can recover from injury, Matt Allen. You got more plenty of depth, established depth at the interior. You bring in a, a transfer, Jarrett Horst. You know that could. Depending, you know, that could impact where Kevin Jarvis plays. They, they have, and you've got depth back. You know, you had some of the guys that were, were behind them, James um, Ahamba and uh, Spencer Brown's a younger guys coming up. So Jacob Asaya, you know, with a full spring practice, you know, I, I would fully expect that group to finally show the improvement everybody's been waiting for, for you know, four years, basically. Um, you know, we talked to Chris Kabilovic last week and on Friday, their, their old line coach and the run game coordinator. And, and he said he thought, you know, he knew the group didn't perform up to expectations last year. And he thought that with, with no spring practice and, you know, the fractured offseason and everything, he thought that was, the, that was a huge factor in them just not being able to get on the same page. And, you know, he mentioned the flashes, which we saw a little bit at Michigan. Uh, Northwestern really stood out um, when they were actually, for the first time in like in years, able to run the ball when they wanted, how they wanted. Um, and shocker, those were their only two wins of the year. So, uh, yeah, I'd say offensive line for sure. And then I think with the addition of Kenneth Walker, um, I think you'll see some improvement from, uh, from the running backs. And then just one other thing, I, I mean, I think that is worth touching on uh, just, just from, uh, you know, maybe who's standing out standpoint. You had noted it on Twitter, but I saw it uh, as well when uh, – uh, Darian Harris tweeted out the his little meeting that he has with the young guys about how uh, Cam Allen, the freshman uh, tight end from Texas, has already been standing out as a leader in the tight end room. I found that pretty interesting. Not too surprising, though, because he seemed like someone who's just been all in uh, pretty much from the jump. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was watching that because, like you mentioned, the Spartan All Access show. I was watching that on Monday and I was like, huh, that's something. You got a, you know, a guy who's been here for two months is all of a sudden getting mentioned as the leader in the room when there's, you know, I mean, you've got veteran guys back there. Granted, Matt, Matt Dotson's no longer on the roster, but still, yeah, I mean, that's, it's interesting. And, you know, he was a guy to talk to, you know, when he, he got the, uh, the late chance to be an early enrollee. I mean, he wasn't even going to be here until this summer. And then they had a late spot open up in the class and within, shoot, I can't remember. It was something like five days or something. It was like a less than about a week. He went from thinking he was going to be at Michigan State in the summer to all of a sudden he was standing there in the snow and, you know, moving in. So uh, I think that's quite an adjustment. I, I think you have to be mature, uh, you know, beyond 18 years old to make that kind of adjustment and not, you know, have setbacks. I can guarantee you I could not have done that when I was 18 years old. So uh, credit to him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. But, again, you know, that's kind of a, that's a tough position, you know, because, I mean, high schools – you know, how many high schools really use a tight end in like a pro style blocking scheme? They're like they're, receivers that play. Yeah, punch. they're detached and stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, that's always the biggest adjustment. You get a guys like, you know, Trent Gillison, Matt Dot and Dotson, you know, I mentioned, but Gillison, you know, good receiving skills, but still it's the ability to consistently block. That's always like the hardest thing for them to pick up. So that's what I would be, uh, you know, that I think will be the biggest challenge for him. Well, hopefully we get at least some notes or Mel gives you something about how the scrimmage goes. I mean, he's not going to, like you said, he's not going to give us the depth chart, but hopefully we get something other than coach speak, you know, just maybe someone who stood out or 
anything at all would be nice because, uh, I mean, people are dying for this information. We want to see the football team. Still no word yet on wh- whether or not fans are going to be allowed at the spring game. It sounds like they're at least going to try and have a spring game, but uh, uh, still awaiting word on that. But uh, anything else either you guys want to touch on before we sign off here? Uh, look forward to, uh, to to seeing what uh, kind of insights we get. But, uh, you know, as much as Mel Tucker wants to increase the enthusiasm and, you know, I think – you know, the brand and, you know, get the fan base energized, you know, I think there's also that competing, what is the benefit of me giving away anything, you know, because when you look at what this team will be in the fall with all the roster turnover, they're going to look a lot different. I'm not, there's going to be, it's going to, they're going to be a hard team to predict really. So at what point does he, what, what does he stand to benefit from, from telling you who the, who the front runner is to be the starting quarterback, you know, and all that stuff. Fan excitement. That's the only yeah, thing yeah. that there yeah. is benefit. And there is something to be said for that. I mean, there is something to be, you know, build. I mean, we're excited regardless, let's be real. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to watch. Also, uh, shout out Darian Harris. It's his birthday today. So I love that guy. He seems like an awesome dude. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll stay on top of everything. Um, we'll have updates on mlive.com slash Spartans again if you could please like rate and review the podcast tell your friends about it uh, and check out our work on mlive.com you can also send us questions on Twitter and email Uh, but until next time for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel I'm Brandon Champion and go green